Hey everyone, welcome to Terror Talk. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. We're going to talk about Eli Roth today and the reason why we're going to do that is a couple is dual fold. One is that his new movie is coming out Thanksgiving, new horror movie from old Eli. And I like the premise of it. Yeah, me too. I mean, the cel- we're going to celebrate not having ever seen it before. And after we talk about it, maybe, I don't know, we might not be celebrating by the end. But this is a 2023 movie. It's supposed to be a horror mystery thriller. After a Black Friday riot ends in tragedy, a mysterious Thanksgiving-inspired killer terrorizes Plymouth, Massachusetts, the birthplace of the infamous holiday. So it seems pretty straightforward, and we'll see how it goes. There's lots of good character actors and stuff in it. Lots of teens as well. So Um, what are you going to do? You know, mm, I don't know, Kathy. What? What? If you've listened to this show in previous seasons, you know that I'm not the biggest fan of Eli Roth. So that was the second reason that we were going to do this episode (laughs) because I thought, you know, I really need to know why. I need to know what's up with the Eli Roth dislike. Well, and... um, We'll go through that as well. Yeah, and I think that he's done a lot of films outside of the horror genre. Or he's... We're only talking about the directed films. He's done some films outside of the horror genre that I have really liked, which is interesting. And I'm, I'm still trying to make sense around how I feel after, you know, it's one thing to watch these movies when we're just watching them. It's another thing when we are watching them and analyzing them and then mm-hmm. we're going to talk about them. It's a totally different thing. And so I found myself like going, I'm really liking these though over here. And I've liked these so much more than I've liked some of these. Although there are a couple of horror movies he's done that I, I think are good, but I don't think what's ironic to me is I don't think that's his niche. Right. Personally. Guess what, guys? We're going to do some... Eli facts with girl. We're going to do some horror facts, and they are Eli facts today. Oh, I hit the mic. So let's do that. Number one. <laughs> it's been a minute. I got to... What are we doing? Oh, no. Okay. Go ahead. What condition does Eli suffer from that helped influence events in the movie Cabin Fever? That is such a setup that I am not going to it's take. It's not zombieism. I'm just not going to take the setup because I could say some things. Okay, go ahead. Number two. Roth is quoted stating, movie series should never surpass blank number of installments. Number three. How did Roth pay for his student films? So not his debut, but his student ones. Yeah, there's a bunch of shorts. Yeah. Number four, what is Roth's favorite classic horror film? And number five, Eli Roth is deathly allergic to blank and cannot be in the same house or room with this. Gotcha. All right, I wrote them all down. And so what's going to happen is I'm going to guess at the end of the show and... You guys are going to guess and and see if you're right. We'll just see if we're right. And I'm usually not. So there's that. There's that. (laughs) Thank you, Gabby. So what is really Eli Roth known for? Well, I I think people know know him most for splatter films. Yeah. Right? Like Hostel. So when you, Eli Roth was actually, I didn't know this. Maybe you knew this. Mm. That the first time the term torture porn was used 
was actually for Hostel, and then they just used it retrospectively for films in the 70s and things. Mm. Um, I hate the movie Hostel. I hate <laughs> it so fucking much. Yeah, I don't like it either. I and think not it's... because it's offensive. It's just bad. Yeah, I don't like it. I think in some ways it is a little bit of a f- offensive, but I mean, I don't, I'm not really offended, I guess, mm. but I can see how it's offensive to others, meaning you create a movie where we just hate everyone and it's gratuitous and it's empty, I guess. It's totally empty. It's empty of things like saw is very clever and filled with character and motivation and what's going on. And it's just like really smart. And I spit on your grave, very filled, even though hard to watch and, a revenge, a female revenge film and very simple in many ways. Huh. It's still filled with character and you root for her and you went like, so uh, even TCM. No, well, TCM is, is filled with. Well, and if, if you look at <laughs> all, if you look at all of his torture porn films, the green Inferno, if, if you've seen hostile, I think I saw part of part two it was so fucking bad. I'm like, I can't believe they made a second one. Long story short, he tends to exploit other regions in the world in a way that a, a lot of people have found incredibly offensive in, in saying like, hey, listen, like um, with Hostel, they're like, you're making it really difficult for, for people to come visit our country because you know nothing about us and you've now created this image of us. And we know that horror does that. There's a suspension of disbelief. But I think the time that Hostel was done before we had like more awareness around the exploitation of these things, because Teresa's was a very similar movie, not done by Eli Roth, right. that I thought was way more tasteful. Yeah. I thought that the storyline was much better. And it also demonstrated the stupidity of Americans mm-hmm. over, and I think that was in Brazil or something, over Brazilians. Um, it was somewhere in South America. But watching The Green Inferno and watching Hostel, I mean, especially The Green Inferno, it's like, okay, I know where your influence is coming from and I know what you're trying to do, but basically you're exploiting any tribes in the Amazon as being like these just primal savages. And no one in that cast, not one character in that film is likable. I don't even care who dies in that. And the the deaths are... Very gratuitous and honestly, from a visual like splatter film place, I thought the Green Inferno, I thought he did a really good job with making it really scary. I'll give him that. Hostel wasn't scary to me. It was just disgusting. The Green Inferno actually scared the shit out of me. So an effective movie. It was effective that way. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, he when he did that movie, he had and he was filming over in the Amazon, there was like a a South American Christian group that came in that was like yelling at him and encouraging him to not do this. And they were like, yeah, this is Eli Roth. This is the director of Hostel. And they were like, he's the devil. Shut this down. (laughs) And he like found so much amusement in that. So Mm -hmm. I just, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm offended by Eli Roth or I just don't. I think that some of the things he does are cheap. He's pretty vilified. When we started working on this episode, I, you know, Googled, read a bunch of articles, sort of get the cultural response to him. 
And there are so many articles entitled things like, I hate Eli Roth, or uh, there was one I read that was like, Eli Roth, comma, douchebag. You know, like they're mm-hmm. just, now I don't believe in bullying anyone no. online or in any way. And so those kinds of things, I I know that's clickbait and it's incendiary and all of that. And I mean, we're in media, so, but uh, he's really hated. And I think you've touched on a few of the reasons why I think one is that he's pretty widely known for commenting a lot on things, meaning on cultures, on issues, on movies, obviously, in particular, there's lots of documentaries he's helmed now in the horror mm-hmm. world, which for me are more entertaining than his movies. I really like horror documentaries, so I like watching those. But so it's like your movies are trash, but you're an expert is that whole feeling is what people will say. And now I don't think all his movies are trash personally, no, but uh-uh. and I think he you know, he has been very open and it's about this in some ways, but that kind of like Quentin Tarantino in the sense that all of the early movies and maybe all of the movies, I'm not sure that's debatable, are versions of a formula that they're following that is an homage to something else. And he talks pretty openly about how cabin fever was that he was 19 years old or whatever when he wrote it and he, he was literally working for howard stern yeah and he literally wrote sat down and watched all of the cabin horror movies and saw all of the commonalities and then did it like scene one is this scene one is getting to the cabin scene three is this scene four is, you know and literally just copied the formula and a lot of young filmmakers do that. And I think that's why Cabin Fever is not the worst. It's a fun movie. It's not a great movie, but it's a fun movie because it just plays into all of those tropes. Yeah, I mm, I think that's so true that he's become this expert on commentating and, and opining on some of these films when his work isn't all that great. I think another thing too is he comes off, at least he's portrayed as this independent filmmaker, at least initially. And he actually had a pretty fucking privileged childhood. I mean, oh, really? he, he went to NYU, fully funded, is my understanding. His father is a renowned psychoanalyst that has done a lot of work and published. His mother was a painter. And they provided an income where he really could do whatever he wanted in the arts and then got into NYU. You know, he talks about cabin fever being a low budget film. It was a $1.5 million budget. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe where you grew up, Eli, that's low budget, but people, I know people doing things for like a few grand. Yeah. It's low budget for a, like it's mid budget basically, but it's low budget for a studio, low budget film. Yeah. It's not low budget. <laughs> it's not a student film price. It's, it's not, not a, a student film. It's not an indie film. It's low budget for a mainstream, you know? Well, and that's what studio. happened in the industry, right? Is like there was independent films in the nineties and then the studios got wise to that. And every single studio in Hollywood, I was working in Hollywood at the time, every single studio created an independent branch of their, of their studio and called it something different and then gave a bunch of money to independent filmmakers 
to make movies and then it was branded as an independent film because it was 1.5 to 3 million dollars instead of 10 15 20 million dollars and that became sort of the new independent film and that's why you know <laughs> we're having a resurgence at film festivals with actual independent films being you know very 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 low budget again but for 20 years that was not the case yeah. and eli kind of rose to fame in that in that period of he time. did he was he was actually working for howard stern and i listened to a, an um interview with howard stern and um with eli roth he was actually asked when howard stern was do i think it was when he was doing private parts he was so exhausted he had a security guy, but Eli Roth was actually hired by Howard Stern to just sit outside of his door and let let him sleep. Like, yeah. don't, okay, so he wrote Cabin Fever just sitting there. And then he had this, what I would consider pretty high income to then produce the film because most students don't have $1.5 million to play with. No. So there's that. The other thing, I, I was watching another interview with him where he did a movie called Knock Knock with Keanu Reeves. And he very much downplayed how it's a remake of a movie called Death Game. I've seen Death Game and I've seen Knock Knock. He said, yeah, it's loosely based on this movie in, from 1974 called Death Game. Da, da, da. It's really the same exact film this is, with a different ending. This is why he gets a really bad like, reputation. Dude, it's this is he, not your movie. Because he copies. He did. Yeah. And I've watched Death Game and I watched because my partner had seen Death Game and we had it was streaming one day and she's like, Oh, let's, let's watch it because she had also seen knock knock. So we watched, this was way before we did the episode or that we were prepping for the episode. So I'd happened to already seen both of these. And so I had watched the interview with him prepping for this episode. And I'm like, you, you just completely downplayed the fact that you copy and pasted and made the ending different. Yeah. He, he admits to it all the time. Ugh, I don't like it. Yeah, so people generally don't like them because this is what I understand from what I've read. The movies are bad and then he's kind of a blowhard and kind of a know-it-all and kind of, you know, quote-unquote expert and then helms these horror docs where he comes off like the expert that knows all this about horror, which I'm not saying he's not. Like many of us know a lot about horror and he happens to have made movies and many of us have not made big hit movies like that. So I get where he gets the, the narcissism around that, but people don't like it. They don't like the blowhard thing. They don't like the, the, the like, fucking around making bad movies <laughs> and then like he's a run-on sentence have you ever you've seen interviews yes. with yes he just talks and talks and talks he and loves talks. the sound of his own voice and oh listen we all appreciate you know the fact that many of these large these big hollywood directors have levels of narcissism and sometimes it yeah. works for like listen if you're gonna have that then you better be a quentin tarantino you not an eli yeah. roth yeah you have to have that to back honestly, it up you have to have that to back it up and you also have to, well to be popular let's we're talking about popularity like he's still gonna, getting movies made and i'm looking forward to this thanksgiving movie I me like, too there aren't very many good thanksgiving horror movies no. it's it's a low bar <laughs> so yeah. if it's even if it's a derivative of some other slasher okay it'll probably be a fun watch will i ever watch it again we have no idea but like so it's not to say that I'm not looking forward to it. And I've never really, I never really thought about Eli Roth, honestly, until 
we did this episode or actually until, you know, a year or two ago when I started being in horror communities where everybody bashed him. And I'm like, why does everybody fucking hate this guy? I've been talking so much shit to you for a long time. (laughs) Just, yeah, the last couple of years I've been hearing from Kathy, from other friends, just all this vitriol about him. So I have been asking people I know, like, why? Why all the hate? And I think you've explained some of those yeah. reasons. But <laughs> so I did watch Finn, mm-hmm. which was the first documentary he ever did. Uh, my understanding that he shot. This is m- more of Eli Roth and a professional group of scientists, researchers, and activists sail around the globe to unveil the truth behind the death of millions of sharks. Okay, so what I can say about this is. It's on HBO Max if you'd like to watch it. I would caution you that if you don't like seeing lots and lots of sharks slaughtered. That's why I didn't watch it. Then don't watch it. Mm -hmm. The shark dies. Yeah. Many, many, many sharks died. But that is what activism documentaries are about. That's right. And I've watched those before and they are hard to get through, but they're important. Yeah. So if you, if you believe in animal rescue, You watch a lot of hard videos about animals being rescued and being injured and being harmed. And those of us who have volunteered in animal rescues before have seen a lot of that. And it takes some some stones to actually be on the front lines helping animals that are actually injured and you're helping them. So it's a thing. However, so I'll give him that, like that there was a personal, from what you can tell in the documentary, there was a personal feeling and advocacy that he loves sharks and wanted to be a part of helping that those things stop. Okay, so that part. However, as a documentary, is it that great? No. Many people have done it better and been more informational. It's it's definitely a documentary about how Eli Roth hates, loves sharks and hates what they're doing to them. And, you know, okay. That's great. If it shows some advocacy, if it helps the cause, great. If you want to look at it a, more objectively and not emotionally and you compare it to other documentaries about this issue, everybody else has done it slightly better, but... I appreciate him, you know, throwing the hat in the ring. But if you hate Elay Roth, you're going to hate this because not only are you going to see lots of sharks slaughtered, which most of us don't really want to watch, but you're also going to be listening to Eli Roth talk about Eli Roth for a while mm-hmm. during there. So anyway. Yeah, I'd, I watched Death Wish with Bruce Willis. Mm-hmm. And I think what's so funny about this is like it gets three out of five stars, but then Hostel gets like a better rating. Um, <laughs> this movie came out in 2018. And obviously watching anything with Bruce Willis now is just, it's like this s- sweet and bitter feeling just because he's never going to make a movie again. And mm-hmm. I just, I, I've always loved his career and I've loved the different movies that he's done. And I think he's fun to watch. And it's a rock star cast. You have Elizabeth Shue, you have Vincent D'Onofrio, Camilla Monroe, or Maroney or Marone that plays the daughter is really good in it. And he plays a trauma surgeon. It's an American vigilante action thriller film directed by Eli Roth. And and, um, it is a remake, of course, Mm -hmm. of the 1974 (laughs) film. And I have never watched, I think Charles Bronson or whatever is in the original. I haven't watched the original, so I can't 
make the same comparison as I did with Knock Knock. But I really liked this movie and it kept the, it has a taken kind of flavor to right, it. Right, got it. So you really feel you're in this rush with him. And so what ends up happening is at the very beginning, Bruce Willis is a trauma surgeon and he gets called into work one night when they're supposed to go out for his birthday dinner. And that evening while he's in um, working in emergency, his wife and his daughter get, the house gets raided and his wife dies. This is all in the, I'm not giving anything away. His wife dies and then his daughter ends up in a coma. And so it becomes this revenge to, you know, who broke in this house and what's the motive. And uh, Vincent D'Onofrio plays his, I think it's his brother-in-law. So Elizabeth Shue's brother. And it just like, you're just so rooting it for him. It's very character driven. And I love that because you don't get that a lot with his movies. And it's, I really thought, I'm like, wow, if he did more things like this, I'd, I'd be able to follow him. Maybe it was Bruce Willis that did it for me, but I feel like the whole movie actually kept me really invested and I cared and I wanted them to find who these fuckers were. And I, I was on the treadmill for like the majority of it and I'm going, I don't even know that I'm running. Like I'm that into I've it. I've run a marathon through this movie. Because I feel like I'm just so in it with him and I love and appreciate movies like that and none of his horror movies have ever done that for me. So I just thought to mention, you know, there's some things that he does well outside of the horror genre. Yes. I mean, I'm sure he does. I have not seen this remake. I loved the original Death Wish. Mm -hmm. And so I'm imagining if it's very, very similar to that. That's why it's so good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so that's smart. But I don't know. I can't I can't comment on if it's the same. But I love Vincent D'Onofrio. I think he's an oh, amazing actor. And I yeah. love Elizabeth Shue. So mm -hmm. it sounds like Bruce is supported by some very good actors and you know if it's anything like the original then you know that's a smart remake because it was a great movie <laughs> so i don't know they maybe they just maybe he just updated it but i'll have to watch it it sounds like and, and maybe really it's, enjoyed it maybe it's the timing too because I, it's just so sad to me i love bruce willis and just being able to go back and watch his movies i'm like man i really miss him i liked watching him a lot yeah he's a part of our growing up yep yep in fact, it's just about to be the Christmas season. We'll have to watch the Diehards. Yes. We Any will. other movies you wanted to talk about um, or anything else with Eli? Well, I will also say that um, I did like Cabin Fever. I didn't hate I did it. Too. I liked it. Um, and, and it was different. It was clever and it was fun for its time. It's not one of my favorite horror movies. I thought that there were elements of the Green Inferno that were good, but he the, the last 30 minutes, it's like, where the fuck did this just go? All of a sudden it became a movie that I was not, I would, was not wanting it to end the way that it did. I don't know. It just did something. It wasn't, the ending was not great. And I went back to look at reviews cause I'm like, am I, am I just feeling that it jumped the shark? But most people were like, yeah, like the last 30 minutes. Why, why is that what he did? Um, yeah. And it's a, it's a savage, it's a, it's a cannibal film. So he, what he does well in that is he makes you fucking terrified and that works. Yeah. I enjoy cabin fever because it's like a stupid, silly movie. Yeah. So it's in that vein for me. It's like throwing it on in the background or something. If someone had it on in the background, I might catch a couple of my, the gross scenes or the scarier scenes or whatever. It's kind of just like you would any, 
is it a cabin in the woods? Of course mm-hmm. not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course not. That's an amazing movie. So uh, there's a gamut of cabin summer movies, but sh- can you throw it on as a summer watch and, you know, enjoy most of it? I think so. Yeah, I think so. But I have some answers for you. You have answers for me, do you? I right. do. Well, let's do some. Well, well, well done. I was drinking some of my coffee and almost spit it out. Okay. (laughs) What condition does Eli suffer from that helped influence events in the movie Cabin Fever? Well, I, I, before I answer, I will say that for this episode, I watched his interview with Joe Bob and I also watched some other interview with me. So I actually feel like I know a couple of these answers. Awesome. But I, you know, I could just say it and be like, and you'd be like, no, you know, nothing. Uh, I think he has psoriasis. He does. Okay. (laughs) Okay. And so, yeah, for those of you who haven't seen Cabin Fever, it's, you know, it's about a virus. (laughs) Right. Yes, it is. And specifically, the skin falls apart. Skin falls apart. Roth is quoted stating, movie series should never surpass blank installments. Uh, Three? Two. He's never done more than two. (laughs) (sighs) This is why people tend to have poor reactions to him. It's sort of very self, like... The view of the world is only through your eyes. Only doing two, that's what I've done. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that's the thing. A lot of, we all have our own point of view of the world, but if you get caught up in your world view being the only one, that's the thing about the going into other countries, right? It's like your privileged view of things is not actually always accurate, sir. That's right. All right. Sorry, go ahead. That's okay. I forgive you. <laughs> How did Roth pay for his student films? I don't know. Uh, he was an online sex operator. Oh, okay. I will. So that brings up one, one of the things I did want to say about him is that he's very charismatic. He is. When you watch interviews with him or you listen to him talk, he's like I said, he can be a run on sentence when given the mic, but in his horror docs and stuff, he's got a presence. He's got a star presence and you, you don't, if you don't know anything about him, he's charismatic. He's good looking, you know, stereotypically good looking, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So he has a way about him that can be very likable until you kind of know all these other things or like form opinions or whatever, or you hear things he says like no more than two, because I've only done two. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he didn't say I, he didn't say that second part, but I finished that for him. (laughs) Oh, I see. Yeah. <clears throat> Kathy. Yeah, no, I, I, that was, let, let's be clear here. So, cause I don't want to misquote him. Um, his answers to, and my belief is that's because that's all he's ever done. Okay. Um, he's not, I mean, joke. he's not entirely wrong about that though. Like some, some series do need to like, just stop. Well, that's why I said three. That's really just my answer. Yeah. Three is good. Three is you know, good. And if you want to do Halloween 4 million times, just do them in threes. Just, that's right. <laughs> Number four, what is Roth's favorite classic horror film? Is it Mother? Cannibal Holocaust, which is what influenced The Green Inferno. And then number five, uh, he is deathly allergic to what and can't be in the same house? Cigarettes? Cats. Cats. I I saw this, the cigarette thing was in some interview I saw, so. Okay, maybe he's just got a lot of allergies. All the C's. All the C's. (laughs) Psoriasis with a P. <laughs> All right. So I don't know what we did here today. 
but we're glad you were here with us doing it. And we hope that you enjoyed the show and we will catch you next time. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.